Morning, everyone. It is Thursday, the 14th of July. Good morning, Christopher Conway. You're going to have a night for us. What have you got? Good morning, Ben. Thank you. Yes, a lot to get through this morning. Of course, it was a huge night on Wall Street overnight with the CPI numbers coming in. Inflation hit a 41-year high, coming in at 9.1%. This was well beyond the 8.8 expected and even beyond the whisper number. So that's the pre-release scuttlebutt that talked of a 9% read. It was volatile session for equities. The Dow was up Two points at best, down 467 at worst, closed down 209 points. The S&P 500 down half a percent, the fourth losing session in a row. The NASDAQ actually surprisingly held up reasonably well. It was only down two-tenths of a percent. The reason for the higher inflation rate was surging gasoline prices. And it puts, that this is the number, the 9.1% number, puts a 100 basis point hike from the Fed firmly on the table next time out. So the immediate reaction came from Atlanta Fed President Bostic, and his quote was, everything is in play. And according to the CME FedWatch tool, expectations of that 100 basis point hike jumped from 7.6% to 42% immediately after the release. And as Marcus pointed out this morning, they're now up to 78%. So like I said, that 100 basis point hike is live. Some more reaction. Biden also saying that gas prices have come down and have fallen 40 cents since mid-June. Other reactions, the IMF warned that a surge in inflation poses systemic risks to the US economy and lowered its GDP growth forecast for the second time in less than a month. As Marcus said yesterday, though, if they were a good economist, they'd be working at Goldman's. And it wasn't all bad news. The economist at Morgan Stanley saying that stocks need signs of inflation peaking. We have been talking about that here at Marcus today for weeks and that there's a good chance that inflation has indeed already peaked. Just taking a look at commodities, gold up 0.6%, crude up 0.5%, base metals continue to take a hit, zinc down 3.5%, and iron ore bucked the trend up 1.9%, but a big night overnight. Very nice. Thank you, Chris. I hope neither of you have friends at IMF because have been going after them the last couple of days. <laughs> Tom, what's happening today? Thank you, Ben. Well, our market is down nine points. Energy and miners outperforming. BHP and Rio both up around 1%. Financials, tech and property names all in negative territory. Coal stocks bid higher with Whitehaven up 4%. I think Chris is going to share something about Whitehaven a bit later. Lake Resources, LKE, down 17%. They've returned to trade and responded to the JCAP short seller report. Net wealth up 4% on funds under administration update. And ACCC has said it won't oppose the one rail acquisition by Horizon, given they sell a few things first. Bigger Cheese is down 6%. They've warned on higher costs for the next financial year. And locally, we have unemployment data out at 11.30, expected to fall to 3.8% from 3.9%. And we have producer prices in the US tonight. Good stuff. Thank you, Thomas. Layden, what's happening with the brokers today? Thank you, Ben. It's fairly quiet out there in Brokerland this morning. They must be all trying to figure out what to do with that CPI number that's come in last night. But I've got City has buy recommendations for ARB Corp and BAPCOR. BAPCOR, it says, is the top pick for small cap stocks in that space due to ongoing new car constraints. Results for both of these groups are out in August. I think BAPCOR is the 17th, ARB is the 23rd. The brokers expect BAPCOR's profits to be in line with consensus, and they've got a target price of $8.03, which is about 26% above the current share price. And for ARB, they expect profit to beat consensus by $2 million, and they've got a target price of $46 dollars and 
cents there, which implies a 52% upside. And an interesting one that you pointed out to me this morning, Ben, Sezzle, that's SZL. It's down 98.2% since Feb 2021. It was trading at around $10.60 then. It's now trading at 20 cents. It was downgraded this morning to underperform at RBC Capital, and they've lowered their target price from $12, which was very optimistic to say the least, and probably hadn't been reviewed for quite some time. But they've lowered that down to one cent. A single cent. Goodness me. And they also announced with that they're ceasing coverage. Yeah. So, and Henry shared that on the Facebook group. So that's a mic drop if ever there was one. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> not bad. That's it. Thank you. Leighton. Henry, how are you going? What have you got in Henry's take today? Thanks, Ben. Not a huge amount. The US CPI, obviously, Marcus will cover in great detail, but it gives us another reason not to do anything. And of course, we do have our own CPI this month as well, which comes out quarterly, which the market is highly anticipating. And a few real world examples of inflation from the Facebook group, some of them quite astounding. Motorhomes up 33% in two years from ordering one and not even arriving yet. So uh, there's some big moves in underlying prices of things. Also, I look today at uh, HM1, which is hearts and minds. These are the smartest guys in the business. Uh, these are the guys that present their best idea at the Sone Investor Conference, which CNBC is a big part of. And that LIC is trading at an 18% discount to its MTA. That's the pre-tax MTA, not even the post-tax MTA. So uh, there could be, and I'm not suggesting it is yet, but some of these LIC will lag the market if it does turn. At the moment, there doesn't seem to be too many signs of turning. The volumes remain quite low as well. And just uh, written up today a little bit, we had a question on Facebook yesterday talking about why we see one share trading on the exchange and frequently in some stocks there is a one share will go through. And so I've tried to explain what institutions do as far as their dealing platforms go when they are using the broker and how orders are split and the role of sales traders just as a little bit of education today. Also, just for those that are interested, Calyx, which has been one of the big performers in the small cap portfolio, there's a really interesting article today in the AFR about their desire to turn steel production from iron ore into green iron ore and steel production. It's quite an interesting article on the way their calciner, which is their kiln works. And uh, I agree with you with BAPCOR with the brokers because I've owned that one for a little while. And when it takes you three weeks to get your car in for a service and they're busy as 10 men, then you know that they're doing pretty well at the moment, especially with the new car issues that we are seeing. So that's about it from me. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. One of my friends was looking at cars last weekend and there was a nine month wait for a standard model Toyota SUV. At least. Yeah. Shame if you crash your car. Yeah. Well, I think even the if you just take whatever you get, you're still probably waiting a month. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. On to our fresh ideas today, Chris. Thank you. Yes, as Tom spoke to earlier, I'm having a look at Whitehaven Coal this morning. The chart looks, oh, it's one of the best looking charts in the market at the moment. And Marcus has kindly provided a chart of Whitehaven versus the coal price. And since about mid-2020, the correlation between the thermal coal price and the Whitehaven share price has been extremely strong. In terms of the fundamentals, high-grade Australian thermal coal remains in high demand. Of course, the energy crisis is going on. And we have spoken previously on the podcast about a number of countries reinstating 
updating their coal-fired power plants to meet that supply. So that means prices have remained elevated. And whilst prices are elevated, that will serve Whitehaven very well. Brokers like it as well. There's some fairly recent research. Target price is anywhere between 11 and 40% above the current market price. And it's about to break out technically as well. So there's peaks from 2018 and 2019, and also a peak earlier this year, around $5.55. And if that is taken out by the bulls, then this one is trading literally into clear air. So it's looking pretty strong technically. I like my momentum trades and this is one that's shaping up well. Tom, you're having another look at one of our favorites? Yeah, I am, Ben. Computer share CPU, we've talked about before, but that hotter than expected inflation number does have implications for the business. And that flows on from what the Fed are going to do as Chris and Marcus were both talking about this morning. 100 basis points is well and truly on the cards and 100 basis point increase in interest rates translates into an EPS benefit of 26 cents for computer share. So they're essentially getting these little earnings upgrades from the Fed. We have results out on the second Wednesday of August and they had earnings upgrade in Feb that was reaffirmed in May. The chances of another one aren't getting any worse and they had a broker upgrade on Monday for the similar sort of reasons that the macro environment is favorable for them. They do have this outsized sensitivity benefit from high interest rates versus the higher cost for inflation. So they're doing quite well in the space, Ben. They certainly are just looking at their return this year compared to the market. The market is down 12.5% since the start of the year and they're up 21%. So they're certainly not worried about the things the market are worried about. Marcus, you've got a technical scan in fresh ideas as well. Just put another list in there of stocks that are bottoming. These are all stocks that are overbought in the short term. So, but if you look at the weekly charts, they all look like they might be turning a corner. But at this point in time, I wouldn't be looking to put money into the market anywhere, really. And especially not into the stocks that are showing up as the market falls. So they're defensive stocks. Things like CSL, ResMed, Woolworths, Amcor, Ansel, not stocks I would get too excited about in a market that is not yet trending up. I wouldn't get too excited about anything in a market that's not trending up. But it is interesting to see that there are some high PE stocks having a relief bounce, aristocrat leisure's most obvious one, some of the REITs, interest rate sensitive stocks, and some of the stock market stocks, Hub, yes, you see net wealth well up today on some fun numbers. So there are some stocks which are weathering the storm pretty well. And there's a list of them in the fresh ideas section today. Thank you for that. We've got our weekly long-term investors section in there, checking in on the forever portfolio. We've got our usual dot points there, just the one change over the last week, selling AFG, which you can read about in last week's session. I've got a link in today's long-term investor section to that. Our main concerns, inflation running hot, obviously, August reporting season coming up, the speed of the impending rate rises after this inflation read, and when will the market bottom is, of course, the big question that everyone is still thinking about. We've got to look at our performance, some upcoming events from our holdings and the portfolio x-ray, but you'll need to check the newsletter out to see all of that. We've also got at the bottom a bit of a big picture look with the question remaining, when will the negative sentiment top out in the market bottom? And we are still happy with a bit of elevated cash there sitting on the sideline for the time being, but alert and on the lookout for when that does turn, as Marcus will talk more about in his strategy right now. Thanks, Ben. Yes, on the strategy front, obviously, we've got a bit of a roundup of the inflation number. Everyone's probably 
probably taken that on board by now. I was reading some Macquarie research this morning, and they were suggesting that even though the core number came off a little bit, there's still some fairly significant pricing pressure on services. And they suggest that that could push into next month and lift the core number next month. And it's not what the Fed wants to see. We may talk about peaking inflation, but it's really about what's in the Fed head. And the Fed head is probably going, this is not a good enough number at this point for us to back off at all. And uh, as Chris has said, the chance of a 100 basis point rise has gone from 7.6% to 78% overnight. The interesting thing, though, was that the bond market has absolutely snapped higher on the release, but has then immediately dropped again and ended the day lower. So the observation there is that the, the market could, or the bond market, could have started worrying about higher interest rates and inflation again after the inflation number did so for an instant, then thought about it and went back to worrying about recession. So if you look at the peak on the bond yield, which was in the middle of June in the US over 3.4%, it has now come off. That inflation number could have changed the bond market trend, but it hasn't. Bond yields are still coming off. Recession still in focus. And that sort of suggests that we are going to continue to see what we've seen in the last week or so with this bit of a relief rally. And I've written up, you could do a pairs trade, which still says sell resources by interest rate sensitive sectors like tech or REITs, as opposed to cyclical commodity-based stocks. And I think that continues. The strategy summary today was the market may not have died overnight on that number, but it certainly hasn't come alive. So still in cash. And just bear in mind, some of the big fund managers in their ivory towers in New York, they have strategy meetings after significant numbers like this, and it will take them a day, a week to decide what to do about it, change their asset allocation. So this sort of message feeds into the market, not instantly but quietly or slowly. And we may see a few more days of reaction to it. And it's very unlikely to be upbeat. So still in cash, still happy to be sitting out for the moment. Very good. Thank you for that, Marcus. Question of the day today, staying on the theme we've been on this week of basically what's your favorite different forms of media? What is your favorite finance book or movie? Topic? It is Wall Street, the 1987 drama. And I think it's a great movie. Later. Moneyball ties in a bit of sport, a bit of finance, everything you could want. It's a good movie. Henry? Mine would have to be Trading Places. A little bit of a history there because that was what I used to do on the London Stock Exchange. I was one of the traders in the pit back in the 80s so it always resonated with me and it was easy to explain to people what I did as the film was very popular at the time so it was easy to go that's what I do because that's what I did it was great it's your favorite movie for its utility in your life at the time it was very convenient to be able to explain it to girls <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like him but I'm just like Eddie Murphy and Lewis uh, and Dan Aykroyd in trading places except I do stocks rather than commodities very good Chris another Michael Lewis special Flash Boys about the building of the fiber optic cable from Chicago to New Jersey and how it had to be built in a dead straight line. And there was a specific reason for it. And Lewis was out recently saying that he hates these billionaire traders that all they do is they gain an advantage in terms of time rather than actually picking winning trades. He thinks they're conning Wall Street. And I tend to agree. So Flash Boys for me. Very nice. Marcus? I'll give you the top 10, Sean. Wall Street. Hang on, can I get mine in before you do Yeah, 10? go on. I've got the big short just because it's a fantastic another movie. It's, Lewis, yeah. Yeah. Another Michael Lewis. That yeah. makes three out of the Five. Yeah. That was the reason that I really diverted myself towards finance. Well Marcus? Well, they start number one's Wall Street margin called Boiler Room. Did quite like Wolf of Wall Street trading places. Of course, I knew Henry was going to say that. Rogue Trader, Barbarians at the Gate, mm -hmm. The Big Short. 
But the one I liked, which is not on the list, was it's quite a recent film, really. It was Gold with Matthew McConaughey as a well-meaning CEO of a gold exploration company in Indonesia, I think it was. And he put so much pressure on his geologist that his geologist, in order to make this guy feel better, started to mix up ore with gold in it with the ore they were dragging up, which made it look like they'd hit a massive gold find and they raised millions and millions from Wall Street. And the Indonesian government was not in on it, were investing in it as well. And it turned out that he had mixed this gold ore on a billiards table in a pub with the ore they dug up and created this gold find that didn't exist. And this was an Australian listed company. My brother-in-law had got us all into it. It was called Bree and it's a true story. And ultimately, the Indonesian government got hold of the geologist and he fell out of a helicopter. Yeah. And you might remember, uh, some, certainly some of our members would have traded Briex and lost a fortune in a moment when it was revealed what they'd done. But a fabulous film telling that story, Gold. At some point, I want to get your top 10 list of brother-in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> I've got eight. There, there are more than 10. Did you be impressed not to make the list? <laughs> Very good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, team. Bye, guys. I was playing golf at the weekend with one of my friends who has been listening to our morning meeting podcast for free for the past year. And he was looking a bit sad. And the reason he was looking a bit sad is because from the 1st of August, the Marcus Today morning meeting podcast is going dark. We are putting it behind the paywall. It'll be for members only. Anyone who wants to continue listening to the Marcus Day Morning Meeting podcast should do themselves a favor and us a favor and subscribe. And just to tickle you along, if you send an email to info at marcustoday.com.au and be very nice to Will, Chi-Chi and Karishma, they may just give you a bit of a promo code. Give it a go. Give it a go.